This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Every version of the Bible has different ways of saying the same thing, and some are much more different than others, but there's something curious that happens when it comes to God's name. Keith Johnson and I square off in a Bible versus Bible translational showdown tonight, because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom, Torah fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. You know, when you first start studying the Bible, you read it for the words. You're really fascinated by the words. And then as you progress, you begin to read between the lines. And yet, the more you discover and the thicker the Bible becomes, it seems the simpler the Bible becomes. Strange how that happens. So Keith Johnson and I will show you what that looks like tonight during the first episode of The Name of God, Pure and Simple. And to get us there, let's see where we are on the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There we have it, there it is, the first Shabbat of the 10th month, also known as Tevet. And on this month of the calendar, you can see a statue of what Moses looked like during the time he was being groomed to become Pharaoh. That is actually what Moses looked like. Now, please welcome my co-host, the Chief Operating Officer of Arud Awakening International, Ted Clayton. Thanks, Scott, for having me here today. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. Call your friends, call your neighbors, call your family. Get them to watch Shabbat Night Live tonight because Keith Johnson's in the house, ladies and gentlemen, and it's always gonna be a great teaching when he's here. You know, Keith just uh, recently told us during this series that uh, he has finally, he sort of let go of the Methodist Church. He, he's been a yeah. Methodist pastor for years and years and years and always kind of kept it in his back pocket. And even though he was doing uh, Hebrew studies with uh, Nehemiah and things like that, yes. he always had it. But something happened that you'll discover in this series that he just kind of said, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. It was something to happen in Congress, but we'll leave it at that and yep. we'll let Keith tell the story uh, during this series. You're gonna love this series. This is a fun series. Yeah. He had me bring in my favorite Bible. And just so you know, he said, nothing about what we were going to do. He said, just bring in your favorite Bible. I said, what are we gonna do? Never mind that, just bring in your Bible. He said, okay, okay. So, and <laughs> he didn't look in my Bible, and, and so we just compared things side by side, and yeah. you're gonna see some neat things here where we had no idea what was gonna be in my Bible versus his Bible. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure that you won't wanna miss this because Keith always does a fantastic job with teaching. And so I'm very happy to be here tonight. Mm -hmm. And also, we have some wonderful love gifts uh, to talk about just real briefly. We do, yeah. And so, uh, and speaking of Keith, uh, he is actually our special guest on this month's love gift. So every month we give a special love gift teaching. And uh, Michael said, you know what? I'd like to have Keith do a teaching. Would you ask him to do a teaching? So yeah. he did. He did one on 
his grandmother's Bible, which is actually the Bible he's gonna show you tonight. So he did a special wow. teaching on this. Uh, it's a great teaching. Uh, it's for your gift of $50 or more. We'll give you this teaching, Grandma's Bible from Keith Johnson. For a gift of $100 or more, we have the teaching plus this keychain containing a, a, key, a coin, uh -huh. rather, well, a, a replica of a coin, right. from uh, the eighth century BC. It's called the Megiddo coin. It has the line of Judah on it, some Hebrew uh, writing, beautiful thing. Uh, and, and there's a little bit of a history of it on the back there and also a replica of the Dead Sea Scrolls, a piece of pottery that was found, or well, a replica, a miniature version yeah. of it. And inside is a replica of what was found, the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that is for your gift of $100 or more. And for a gift of $300 or more, we actually have a uh, something to match the keychain. And it's a beautiful sterling silver necklace with also a replica of the Megiddo coin on it. Wow. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I can't begin to tell you how important it is that uh, you, 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 you get these items, you put them in your house, you wear them proudly, because people ask questions. People always ask, well, what is that, what is that uh, necklace you're wearing? What is the, the symbology of that? And you go, oh, well, wait, let me tell you about that. And the same thing with the uh, urn for the Dead Sea mm -hmm. Scrolls and a great teaching from Keith Johnson. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of year. And Scott, let me ask you a question. Without our partners at A Root Awakening, without the Ambassador Club members, without the executive producers and our partners in general, what could we do? Well, I know what you'd be doing, but I'd be working at an ad agency somewhere. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because we, we literally wouldn't have anything. That's why we do this, first of all, with the love gifts every month. Exactly. And so, you know, December 10, you know, there's, there's about 20 days left where you can get this, but there's only 20 days left where we can do our uh, fundraising for next year because we do our planning right now. I mean, right. you're looking right now at what we can do. You're, you're making the plans as the chief operating officer of what we can do, maybe Absolutely. what can't we do. And we kind of need to know where we are financially about whether we can bring in more, more folks to do what we need to do or the equipment we need to do it. It, it. It's just incredible. The planning process that goes into a year to year in ministry, ladies and gentlemen, is important. But there are things we have to we have to know about. We, we, we need to understand, you know, what's going on with society? What's happening with uh, uh, the, the things like Facebook and YouTube? Uh, are, are, are they going to restrict us? Are right. they not gonna allow us to give the message out and the truth? Michael has been worried about that for years, ladies and gentlemen, that one day, one day censorship was gonna be so bad on all the levels that the, the, the actual word of God would not get out to the people at home. So because of that, also, we have a very, very special teaching next month in the month mm -hmm. of January, Scott, that Michael just really insisted that we need to do for a time such as this. Because ladies and gentlemen, you just don't know what's happening. You know, there are there are so many things happening in this world. There are volcanoes going off, there's earthquakes, floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, and that's just the natural disasters. Yeah, never mind the man-made disasters. Never mind the man-made <laughs> things that are going on. But ladies and gentlemen, next month, we're gonna have a special series to help you prepare for the things that can happen when disaster strikes. You're not gonna to wanna to miss a single episode. Michael specifically asked, Ted, can you guys get together and help our partners know what they should be gathering in these end time events to protect themselves and to take care of their families. So ladies and gentlemen, we have devoted the entire month of January 
to do just that. That's right, because as Michael always says, you know, the, the, the pre-tribulation rapture is not a thing. So if we're gonna be here for some of that mayhem going on, whether it's man-made or natural or both, yeah, uh, you know, we're gonna need to know what to do if things, if the brimstone hits the fan, to yeah. use a Michaelism. And it's going to be incredible. It is going to be absolutely one of the best series to help you prepare in a biblical way, mm -hmm. to help you prepare for whatever disaster may come your way. So don't miss the month of January. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. Indeed, and so Ted, yes, thank you for that reminder about we need to uh, plan before December 31st, because yes. uh, you, do you really wanna be giving your money to the government, or would you rather put it somewhere where absolutely. it's actually gonna be Ladies used better? Ladies and gentlemen, you could <laughs> never find a better storehouse uh, for, for your finances than A Root Awakening International, because we are here to do God's work and we are continuously doing that every single day. And we can do it only with the help of folks like you. So That's thank you. It. And as far as tonight goes, Keith Johnson and I square off in a Bible versus Bible translational showdown for the first episode of The Name of God, Pure and Simple. But first, you need to go and grab your bread and wine for the Kiddush with Michael. We'll see you back here in two minutes. Certain things in our world have the same meaning in every culture and every language, like a smile from one person to another, and the eternal name of God. Using examples from his ministry travel around the world and some intriguing discoveries in his grandmother's Bible, Keith Johnson demonstrates how the name of God is universal, regardless of place or time. My grandmother never shared with me that she read the Bible. Uh, I never heard about the Bible my whole life, but this is her Bible to family Bible. It's the 1901 version, and we've already found some real cool nuggets <laughs> regarding the name that are in there, to be honest, that I didn't know until yeah. I cracked open her Bible. In this month's Love Gift teaching, Grandma's Bible, Keith Johnson offers a compelling and entertaining perspective that confirms that the name of God is indeed forever and for everyone. Right now, for a limited time, you can get your copy of Grandma's Bible by donation. Donate a $50 love gift and we'll send you Grandma's Bible on DVD or Blu-ray. Or for a donation of $100, we'll send you Grandma's Bible plus a replica Megiddo coin keychain and a collectible Dead Sea Scrolls pottery model containing an excerpt from the Scroll of Isaiah. Or as a special offer for a donation of $300, we'll send you Grandma's Bible the Megiddo coin keychain and Dead Sea Scrolls pottery, plus a breathtaking necklace matching the Megiddo coin keychain featuring an ancient Hebrew seal dating back to the 8th century BC. These are special gifts from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Don't wait, Grandma's Bible is available only until December 31st and supplies are limited. Call now to receive your gifts, 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. The Chronological Gospels Bible is changing lives all over the world, putting everything the Messiah did in exact chronological order and explaining the behind the scenes truth of what the Messiah did, when he did it, and why the timing of it all means everything. And now, the Chronological Gospels can be easier on your eyes. The larger print edition features 40% larger type, and every page appears exactly the same as the original, so you can follow along with others who have the regular size version. 
The Chronological Gospel's larger print edition also has wider margins to write notes, and the premium quality paper means you can highlight without soaking through. Plus, the larger print edition lies flat, so you can teach without having to hold the book open. The Chronological Gospel's larger print edition is a big and beautiful coffee table book, measuring a full 12 inches tall and 9 inches wide. Study the Bible with clarity and ease. I love the size of this book. This is nine by 12. The paper is, is perfect because it doesn't bleed through when I write on it. I can mark it up and I always make notes in all my Bibles. Everything is the same place as it is on the smaller version and I can just stand back and I can teach from it and it's just, it's the perfect size. I pray thee, of whom speaks this prophet? Order the Chronological Gospels larger print edition by phone or online. You'll get 40% larger type than the original. Call 800-788-7887. That's 800-788-7887. Or get the Chronological Gospels Bible larger print edition online at arudeawakening.tv slash large. When the resurrected saints are gathered together on the sea of fire and glass for the 10 days of awe, the 10 days of inspection, and then getting dressed for the marriage supper of the Lamb, we wait to hear if our name is called into the marriage supper of the Lamb, into the Mishkan in heaven, where Yeshua will sit at the head of the table, where as John says, he sees the Ark of the Covenant, the throne of Yeshua, and he is sitting on it and we go into the marriage supper of the Lamb, and this is when Yeshua's promise is finally fulfilled. He told his disciples on the night of the Last Supper, when he blessed the Most High with the prayer of the Melech Zadik, Baruch Atah Yehovah, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Hamotzi Lechem, Min He said, this is my body which is broken for you. I am your provision. By my stripes, you will be healed. And then Yeshua, as he took his cup and he passed it around to his disciples, he said, I will not drink this again till I drink it with you, my Father's kingdom. The marriage supper of the Lamb, Yeshua will take his cup and he will say again, this represented and still represents the renewing of the covenant. The covenant that offered to make you priests and kings I paid the death penalty. I paid the price for the broken covenant. And now, now you get to drink with me in my Father's kingdom. You are the ones that are going to live and reign with me upon the earth for a thousand years because I paid the price. Until the marriage supper of the Lamb, we do this in remembrance of him. Shabbat Shalom. When you first start studying the Bible, your Bible may seem, you know, this thick as you read it word for word, and then you start understanding more, reading between the lines and understanding some things you didn't realize at first, and all of a sudden the Bible seems maybe this thick. <laughs> and it keeps getting thicker and thicker and more complicated and more complicated. And yet, 
People say, well, how can the Word of God be so complicated and yet so simple? Well, we have someone today who can explain how it can be so simple and yet so rich. Please welcome Keith Johnson of BFA International. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live. Thank you for having me, Scott. I'm pretty excited today. I am too. You brought all kinds of wonderful stuff for us today. Uh, this is the, uh, the the journey toward the name of God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful thing. And I know that uh, Michael has played a large role in your oh, life and this the, the whole influence of what uh, you and are into and, and, and Hemia Gordon for that yes, matter as well. Yes. And so uh, uh, tell us, uh, where are we going with the journey? So I, I'll tell you something. I've been really um, captivated for the last year, um, especially regarding Michael, just because of who he has been uh, in my life and who he is presently in my life. And so um, I, when I got the opportunity to, to, to kind of to address this, I thought, man, there's something I would really like to tell, which I've never gotten a chance to tell before. So I want to give you just a little bit of a glimpse of something, of who this man is to me. I call it the, uh, uh, from the Arab cemetery on a hill called Golgotha to a Jewish cemetery on a hill called Givat Tanakh. Okay. <laughs> and Michael will understand this more than anyone. I mean, I, he, he did something really, really, really interesting. Last year at Shavuot, mm -hmm. he invited me in because he couldn't get anyone to get in. You know, they weren't flying. People weren't coming in. We had a right. great event. And, you know, he worked so hard. And he said, hey, can you come in for the first part? And he surprised me when I because when I came in, Michael laid out the history of our journey together regarding the name of God. He did a phenomenal job. In fact, he brought out a study that I had done, sent to him uh, in Israel. Uh, and in fact, that's available right, right on Arud, the, the, the app. Yes, you, okay. For free, yeah. you can watch it. Like Arud. Arud. Folks, I, 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 for free, I registered and I, I watched it and I thought, man, Michael is just, he's just amazing. So anyways, when he did that, it caused me to just, to ask myself a question. What has this journey been? And, and I, the reason I bring up this idea of the Arab cemetery on the top of Golgotha is because when I went to Israel and met, uh, met uh, Michael, he did something really interesting. He was studying. And what I love about Michael is he doesn't ever want to do something unless he can experience, see it, understand it for himself. So he was doing a study regarding Golgotha. Now, if you know anything about Golgotha, it happens to be in East Jerusalem in an Arab neighborhood. And so he thought to himself, I've got to get on top of Golgotha. Who could I send? Hey, there's this new guy, Keith, that's here. I'll ask him. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's so funny about this, I don't know anything. I'm like, hey, Michael, whatever you want me to do, I'm just mesmerized being there. And sure enough, I went, he dropped me off. I went up to the Arab cemetery to look at this area, take some pictures and come down. Now, that led me to another cemetery. It's at a place called Ketef Hinnom. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know about this place. Um, there's the Hinnom Valley. And over here, you've got uh, the, the Temple Mount and, and Jerusalem. And over here, you have this place called Ketef Hinnom. It's the shoulder of Hinnom. Okay. And in this place, there is a discovery that took place in 1979 that absolutely changed the game for me regarding the name of God. Uh, there's an archaeologist named Gabriel Barkai. And in 1979, Scott, he did something really interesting. He didn't have enough money, but he was doing an archaeological study. So what he did is he, he employed some junior archaeologists, some 12 and 13-year-old kids. Don't have to pay them, give them lunch, you know, a little juice box, and they're happy. <laughs> so Gabriel Barkai says that in 1979, there was a kid named Natan, Nathan. Mm -hmm. And this kid just irked him. I mean, he was pulling on his, his shirt and always asking him questions. So finally, Gabriel Barkai says to him, uh, Natan, I want you to go over and sweep this tomb. And I want you to make the floor so clean that you can actually eat off of it. So this little kid named Natan goes over to this tomb and he's sweeping and pretty soon he gets bored. 
and he starts taking a hammer and he starts banging <laughs> and he's banging and he bangs so hard the floor breaks. Come to find out it was a ceiling that had fallen during an earthquake, so it mm. became the floor. All of a sudden, this kid goes back to Gabriel Barkai and he's pulling on his thing and he shows him some pottery. Now, <laughs> Gabriel Barkai says, he starts pulling on the kid and says, show me where you found that. He goes over to this area, Scott, and he looks down and they, sure enough, they find pottery from as old as like the time of Jeremiah. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. But there was something at the floor that was a little small thing that looked like a cigarette butt. However, Gabriel Barkai knew that it was silver. He gets this thing out and there was a big decision that had to be made. Do we go through the process to open this little silver scroll, scroll. knowing that yeah. we would maybe destroy it? Hmm. It says that they took the decision very, very seriously and they said, okay, if we open it, we think there's something there. If we keep it closed, we can make assumptions about it. We found this old thing from the time of Jeremiah and you know, all sort of theories about it, but he made a big decision. He said, we're going to open it, even if it destroys the scroll. It took, how long do you think to open that scroll, Scott? Maybe a, a week of intensive uh, work. You're getting close, a little bit longer. Two weeks? A month? You get, you, you, come on. Really? How long, how long? <laughs> Six I mean, months? Now listen, no, they've got the highest technology. They, Israel's got the archeological technology. Okay, we're gonna use the highest technology to open the scroll. You're getting closer. How, how, how long did you say? So it took like more than months? Okay, you're getting closer. So a year? You're getting closer. Five, five, five years? Three years Three it took to years. open this scroll. So literally just trying to open it and not break it? Little by little by little using the technology, the silver, they unroll, unroll the scroll and they find the oldest written biblical text in history. Wow. And Gabriel Barkai says, when I looked and saw on the scroll, I immediately knew that there was the name of God, the unpronounceable name of God written in Paleo-Hebrew. The first thing he notices is the name of God. Mm. And, and, and it's right there on the scroll. You see it in Paleo-Hebrew. Well, this started a process to find out, so what is this, this, this writing come to find out that the passage that was on the scroll mm -hmm. was Numbers chapter six, which is the priestly benediction. Yehovah bless you and keep you. Yehovah cause his face to shine oh, upon wow. you. And the first thing, and so, so they, they figured it out. Where did this come from? How did this happen? Way back at the time of Josiah, people were being buried and they were offering an amulet on them as they're being buried. Okay, well, hey, if I asked you a question right now, listen, we're gonna bury you, Scott. What do you want to go in your coffin? What do you say? Probably. Like, I know what I want. Like, do you, yeah. I'm gonna ask you, so, okay, Scott, hey, listen, you, you know, you're about to die. What, what would you like to have in your, your coffin? What would you say? Probably uh, something like, uh, you know, obviously, just off the top of my head, John 3, 16. You'd like some Bible right? verse? Some, okay, yes. you'd like a Bible verse. Sure. Makes a sense. So these people, the ancient Israelites said, I want a Bible verse. Hmm. I want the one where it says that the name of God, it says, if you place the name of God, in fact, you will bless me. So someone writes the name of God in Paleo-Hebrew on this silver scroll. They put it on this person. They put him in the, in the, in the you know, they lay him down. They die, and, and obviously, as they, as, they, as they decompose, they put him in a box. Well, in this situation, this amulet that was around them from 100,000, like, what is that, 600, 700 BC? Uh, this 500 BC, uh, this amulet still exists. And here it took 1979 for a little kid named Nathan to give, is the word Nathan, Natan, huh. 
who's bothering, bothering, bothering Gabra Barkai, and he says, ah, go over there, go over there and do this. Come to find out that little kid who's banging and banging and banging finds, really finds this. And, and that's kind of been my, my thing. Mm. <laughs> As it pertains to Michael, sometimes I mean I'm bothering Michael. I mean, in fact, not even a few weeks, a few, a couple of months ago, I sent Michael a text. I said, Michael, Psalms 80:18 says, "Revive us, and we will call on your name." Let's do a conference together. And he's, you know, what Michael said to me in his Michael way, in Yah's time. <laughs> in other words, you just go over there for right now. <laughs> you, you, you know, I'm doing this right now. You go over there, and, and, and this is what it's been with Michael. I got to tell you something, Scott. Three Shavuots in a row, Michael has been what I would call, uh, Father has used him to push and to prod me to purpose. First one, Shavuot 2002. I go to Israel, we do Shavuot on the southern side of the Temple Mount. Michael sets it all up. This was the, also the time we said, sent me up to the top of Golgotha. Second Shavuot, Shavuot 2000, uh, I think it was 2011, the Open Door series, Shavuot in mm. Dallas. The third Shavuot, during the great pandemic, nobody can go anywhere. He calls me up. Can you come in and help me on Shavuot? And that's where he, he, he really launched me to, to get to this issue we're going to deal with today, which is the simplicity, the purity of the name of God. So before we get started, I actually wanted to do something. I, I, I actually did this. I, I, I presented it to Michael, but I wanted to bring uh, the audience into this. He has been so significant as it regards to this process. I think I've, I've heard like uh, he and Nehemiah did something called the Gentiles will call your name. The rabbis speak out. Uh, the issue of Yahweh. I mean, over and over, Michael has become, in my opinion, uh, in my lifetime, certainly the greatest ambassador for proclaiming the name. Look at right now, you know, you've got a cup. No, there's mm -hmm. a cup Oh, there. the cup here, yes. I mean, so, I'm, so I, I did Passover uh, with, with you all. And Donna, who is uh, kind of the, uh, Donna's, I don't know all that she does. She does a lot. <laughs> She's yeah. like CFO. Yes. Okay, but she also is thinking beyond, uh, you know, what Ted thinks about, I think. So after Passover, she sent me a package. And in the package, there were all of these things regarding the name of God. One hmm. of them was a yard sign. And I'm sure you guys oh, yeah. have this mm -hmm. somewhere. I, maybe they could put a picture up of it. Or I used a picture that I took of it. So I took the yard sign and I immediately put it out in my front front lawn. It's got the name Yehovah and a verse, and it says a rude awakening. And I've had my neighbors come. <laughs> One neighbor comes and says, oh, what's that Jewish thing on your lawn? <laughs> At least they didn't say Arabic. <laughs> Some people see Hebrew and say, what's that and Arabic? So right? I had a conversation with him. The other guy comes and says, what is that? I tell him it's the name of God. And he says, okay. And he keeps walking. <laughs> but let me tell you why this has been a blessing. When I see that in my front lawn, when I see you take a sip, when I walk into the studio above the doorpost. I have seen that what Michael has determined to do, and, and he testifies to this in the Shavuot presentation. He says, you know, once I got it for myself, mm. I couldn't hold it any longer. And a rude awakening has become, in my opinion, the, um, the vessel for proclaiming, 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 proclaiming. Uh, proclaiming this name. And so for me, I've been extremely excited about that. But I've come to a place, Scott, where uh, after doing all of the depth, in fact, let's do something. I've got, sure. a, I've got a short video that's going to give you a, a glimpse of what my process has been uh, with Michael. Because what he did, and I want to be careful here, um, what he did was he had me meet Nehemiah Gordon in 2002. Now, very quickly, 
Michael wanted us to meet at a place called the Mount Zion Hotel. The Mount Zion Hotel is across the street from the place where Gabriel Barkai found the Silver Scrolls. Oh. So we're in the Mount Zion Hotel. He says, hey, Keith, listen, when I first met Michael, I'll never forget it. He's in his study with his Bibles. I come in on the airport. I come in, hey, where's Michael? He's back. Hey, Michael, how you doing? And he's studying, studying, studying. I said, hey, I got a couple questions about Hebrew. He says, well, that's not really my thing right now. I got someone else to talk to. Hey, I got a couple questions about, yeah, you know, I've got someone else to talk to. And he goes back to studying. And what I realized at that moment, and it's been this way since then, Michael is a Bible thumper. I don't know if you know the story or not. He says it when he was a kid. He was like in these Bible... Um, uh, oh, the quiz meets. The quizbees and stuff quiz like meet. that. Quiz meet. Yes, the quiz meet. He, he, yep. knows, he knows verses. He knows chapters. Mm-hmm. He, might, he might even know whole books where he's memorizing. And for me, when I, when I find someone like that, it resonates for me. Because for me, I'm unchurched. I didn't grow up in the church. Mm. I didn't know anything about the church. I actually became a Christian at age 14 or 15, a testimony, I've told it before. But the first thing that I found out uh, in my process was there was this thing called the Bible. Before 14, I mean this, I didn't know what the Bible was. There was no reason for me to ever talk about a Bible, to open a Bible, to discuss a Bible. So mom and dad were not Christians no, who went no to church Christians. or anything no, like that? No, I'm a little, I'm a little hood. They call me a little hood rat. I'm out on the streets. I'm doing whatever. And the father got my attention at 14, 15. And next thing I know, I, I get connected to a church and they tell me about a Bible. And I say, wait, now you're telling me that this book actually is communication from God? And they're like, yeah. So imagine approaching the Bible from that perspective, mm. just purely. I'm opening the Bible. I'm learning it. And, and as a result, that's just, when I, when I found Michael, I found a man who was a Bible thumper. He's always talking about the Bible. And so for me, it just felt, it felt right to me once I met him. But anyway, so he has me meet Nehemiah Gordon, and he says, he can answer some of your questions. So we meet across the street from this place, but I don't know about this place at that time. I'm just meeting Nehemiah Gordon. I've told the story enough times. He's told the story. Michael's told the story. At least we know between the three of us, you can't really make it up when you got all three of us together, right? (laughs) We all have the same story, that God pulled us together in that situation. Uh, But as a result, I have found myself across the street at this place where the Silver Scrolls were found. And I decided to do something. I actually learned this from Michael. If you want to find out something, you should experience it. You should go and you should deal with it. If you can get to it, and if you can't get to it, find someone who can do it for you. But right. <laughs> in other words, he, did, he, he didn't want to go on the top of Golgotha, an Arab cemetery. I don't blame him. He sent me, and I didn't mind going. <laughs> with he sent to Nathan. Go <laughs> <Yeah>. over <laughs> right there, Nathan. But anyway, um, <laughs> since that time, in 2002, and as I mentioned, three Shavuots with Michael, all of them significant. Since that time, um, I have had a number of situations where I have been at the place where the scroll uh, was discovered. One of those times was myself working with Rabbi Yehuda Glick, who was a part of Knesset. And uh, we were doing some research together. And he said, hey, can I take you to a place where I can answer a question? He puts me on his little motorcycle. I've got a video of it. He takes me over and we end up at this place. Hmm. Another time I'm bringing tours there. I'm doing a conference there. I'm doing a live presentation. And all of this started from the initial meeting with Michael, Hmm. Michael and Nehemiah. But I decided to go, Scott. And what I decided to do is I'm going to go in, like, all the way. Okay. So I set up my little camera, and I decided to go into that tomb. And you know what? In fact, I have a video. Can I show you? Please do. Yeah, let's watch. Let me just show you this video.
I stop it. So that's me going into the tomb. Wow. It represents about 20 years in a tomb, about 20 years of digging, about 20 years since 2001 is where it first started. It first started out of the blue. So I think there's some people who probably can testify to this. Out of the blue, I don't know why, I ask a question, a simple question. What is God's name? Hmm. 2001. So I started asking people, what is God's name? The Lord, they tell me. Oh, it doesn't sound right. What is God's name? And I I found some rabbis. I asked them the question, what is God's name? They say, Keith, it's too holy to pronounce, too powerful for you to understand, too profound for you to even handle. And that might sound logical. You're like, oh yeah, of course, it's God. It's God. Right? I yeah. mean, so I, and they said, you're prohibited from speaking it. I said, mm. okay. 2001, question, 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 question. And then in 2002, after Michael takes me to the Mount Zion Hotel to meet Nehemiah Gordon across the street from the place where the oldest written name of God has ever been found, I meet Nehemiah Gordon who sticks his chest out and says, I'm Nehemiah Gordon from the Hebrew University. Oh, you know Hebrew? Okay, the next day, we're standing across from the place where God placed his name forever. And I asked the question again, what is the name of God? And he says, do you have a piece of paper and pencil? So I take a piece of paper and pencil and we write out Yud, Hey, Vav, Hey. That leads me to the place where I say, I need to understand this for myself. It's not good enough that he wants to tell me what it is. In fact, he said to me it was in my Hebrew Bible, but he didn't know exactly where it was at that time. And I looked in my Hebrew Bible at Michael's apartment, and I'm, I'm, I'm paging, paging, paging. Boom, all of a sudden I find four letters and three vowels in my Hebrew Bible. And literally, the reason I showed you the, the image of that, uh, that, uh, that going into that tomb, the second part of it, which we'll take a look at right now, But what do you think I was gonna do? Come all the way here and not go down and see for myself? So that's me wiping myself off, saying, okay, I think I got it. I think I understand it. I've gone over to Hebrew University. I've spent time with other scholars. I've been able to chance to, to search my Bible, to, to understand it for myself. There are four things that him and I studied. Consonants, vowels, accents, and Masoretic notes. We did that for well over two years together. I was able to, to, to meet with other scholars. He took me to some of the world's renowned scholars regarding the, the information. I have been, I, I think I am just one of the most blessed people that I, I got a chance to know Nehemiah. The fact that Michael did what he did. But now, Scott, we're gonna do something. Okay. And what I wanna do is I wanna take all of this information that we've been dealing with and I wanna bring it up like from me being in that tomb. 20 years in the tomb. Okay. I'm now at a place where I wanna make it pure and simple, and I wanna know if you will help me. Okay, very good. All right, well, we'll come back and we'll do that in just a second. Sounds awesome, and I hope you continue to join us. Thank you for bringing Keith to us. I'm thanking you because you made this possible. With <laughs> Your donations is the way this happens. That's the only way it happens. So thank you again for supporting Shabbat Night Live. And if you have already supported this program in the past, I ask you to continue to do so so that others can see this into the future because that's how we pay it forward. So would you do that for someone else? We'll give you a couple minutes to do it. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Shabbat Night Live, and thank you very much for your support. It's because of you we can bring in Keith Johnson. And Keith, when you first called me about this episode, you said, bring in your favorite Bible. And I said, yeah, but it looks really bad. You said, even better, because it's got, it's got a piece of painter's <laughs> tape on better. the side. Yeah. It's actually an old Catholic Bible yeah. that I found at a secondhand store. It was, uh, let's see, when, it, was, it was like, I paid five bucks for it. Wow. And it was, uh, when, when was this thing? Uh, it was printed in 1968, mm -hmm. uh, first one 1966, and I, I love it for several reasons, which we'll get into in this whole mm -hmm. uh, uh, this whole series. But I, I love this Bible. I make my notes in it. We were sharing some things that I found in Exodus before. Yes. That's really yes. fun. And so this is this is the Bible I like to write in. Mm. And Michael had a Bible not like this, but he had a similar uh, or a Bible that he did similar things to. Mm -hmm. And it was unfortunately stolen out of his car at a hotel oh a couple goodness. of years ago. So oh he lost a lot of his notes. But uh, he's he's. Started to having to remember these notes and <laughs> write them again. But anyway, so we'll get into that in a minute. But speaking of Michael, you had something you brought with us with us today that you wanted to yeah. uh, give to him. So right? I actually got a chance to uh, spend some time with Michael and Annalil, and I presented this to him, mm. uh, and he was it was amazing when I presented it to him because he knew exactly where it was from, and he, he you know he he, he <laughs> starts speaking and then the way that he does. Um, but I wanted to show show it here because um, it really is significant for me. I actually made two presentations. One of these presentations I made to Nehemiah Gordon, who I considered to be the guy that first answered the question for me, this is the name of God, and led me back to that place where I could dive in and understand it for myself. But for Michael, I actually uh, also made this presentation, and uh, this was actually handmade. Uh, it's the Ketuf Hinnom Silver Scroll, oldest biblical text discovered uh, approximately 625 BC. And there were actually two of these that were actually found, two scrolls, both of them with the same numbers, six uh, blessing that's there. The first one here, it's in Paleo-Hebrew, and then over there. And I hand it to Michael, and he looks at it. I said, Michael, uh, you know, he says, oh yeah, that's from Bible Hill. And he, of course it says, the Lord bless you. And what did Michael do? <laughs> He read it, Yehovah bless you and keep you. <laughs> and I mean, this is, this is like I said, the beautiful thing about him. He has been such an important ambassador to the world, but he has been a blessing to me mm. uh, and to the ministry that I've been dealing with God's time, God's Torah, God's tetragrammaton. And uh, as it pertains to the name of God, I just, um, man, I cannot thank uh, Michael enough and a rude awakening the way that you guys are just becoming the, you are the international ambassadors for sharing this name so this is what I uh, this is what I gave him I gave one to Nehemia and one to him and uh, it is it's just uh, that's beautiful so that's, that's okay. a replica of what we were talking about in that's the first a replica half. of it yeah, yeah. the guy that actually handmade it and made it for us and um, and I was able to present one well to this both is handmade this is not this is not mass produced or anything. No, no, no. He handmade wow. it. In fact, I, <laughs> I will tell you one little conversation. I thought, hey, maybe we should get some of those or whatever. But he he, he makes them by hand. It takes it takes a while. He says, well, it probably take me a couple months. I can make maybe a hundred. I'm like, I don't even understand. If we make that available, it's going to be more than hundred. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that is that is handmade for Michael. Wow, beautiful. Uh, and he and Anna Leal are such a blessing. They are such a blessing. Uh, we, like I said, got a chance to spend time. I get to text with him every once in a while, and of course, also to Nehemiah. But now that we've done all that, I've been down in the tomb. I've been dealing with language history and context, reading the Hebrew Bible, got Torah scrolls, all of that. But there are people that are listening, Scott, that what they have is their Bible. Yeah. And it's their Bible. And whether mm -hmm. it's a Catholic Bible or whether it's the Jewish Publication Society or whether it is the scriptures, it's their Bible. And I have to tell you something. I have become uh, really quite concerned recently uh, how many people are spending more time on Facebook than the book, mm. social media than the Bible. 
the internet. Well, I was on the internet. No, 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 no. The internet is not the Bible. <laughs> Anything can be on the internet. And we've got people who become professional internet biblical scholars, but they're not opening their Bible. In mm. fact, I don't know if you know this, Scott, there are a lot of people in the United States, I don't think it happens in other parts of the country, uh, world as much, that actually have their Bible in their bathroom. Mm. They put their Bible in their bathroom. And think about it. What is this book? What does it represent? So I had this idea. I want the people that are listening to bring their Bibles, their favorite translation. And I said, I'm going to call Scott because I say, Scott, you are, you are, you've been doing a phenomenal job. I think you are a phenomenal person in terms of interviewing and, and questions, but I'm not going to let you off the hook during this time. I want <laughs> you to bring your Bible representing those people that, that, that bring their Bibles. And I want us to kind of open the Bible and do what, some of what I call uh, the name of God, pure and simple. Where can we find it? Okay. Where is it at? How do we understand it? So can you explain to us again about that Bible? Why is it your favorite Bible? Well, Why my, is it your favorite translation, I should say? It's here? my favorite translation. Well, you know, people might say, oh, do you, is it the NASB or one of these yeah. other, you know, yeah. or the Hebrew or the, you know, the, the, the Jerusalem Bible, or pardon me, the, um, uh, the complete Hebrew Bible. And yeah, I have a, a few have of those, those in yes. the house yes. and I read them. And, but it's my favorite one is, and besides, okay, the chronological gospels, I'm not just saying it because it's Michael's publication, yes. but as far as the New Testament, uh, the gospels go yes. and, uh, yes. and Acts and Revelation, this is my favorite. Yeah. And these two actually go hand in hand, which we can awesome. maybe talk about later, awesome. something I discovered in here. Yes. But the reason I like this one is because, you know, the, I grew up with the NIV, right? So mm -hmm. the NIV when I was in high school, I went to a Mennonite high school. Okay. Uh, and so we always used the NIV. It was sort of like the, the Baptist version of, mm -hmm. of King James, right? He didn't go past <laughs> the NIV. That was it. That's it. That was it. In the 80s, the NIV was it, right? It was the new, newest, latest thing. Uh, but it always, the Lord, God, Jesus, all these names. You know, and I thought, wow, I wonder if I could just, you know, other than the Hebrew translations and all that kind of thing, is there one that I could find that had, you know, close to the name of God? Names. Okay, yeah. So this one I found in a, uh, a used bookstore mm -hmm. in Abbotsford, British Columbia, when mm -hmm. I was visit, visiting my mother up there. And I got this for five bucks. And I started thumbing through it going, oh, wow, this is kind of neat. I've, I think I've seen one of these before. <laughs> and it, it had the name of God was... Yahweh, mm -hmm. and I figured, that's better than most. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that, that's right. pretty neat. So yeah. and it just says, Yahweh spoke to Moses. I'm reading, uh, I flipped open to Leviticus 25 here. Yahweh spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai and said, and it, it's interesting because even though it reads like a living translation, mm -hmm. and me and people go, oh, that's an abomination, the living translation, they, yeah. they, yeah. they destroy the name of God, and yeah. in many ways it does. Mm -hmm. It makes it too simple, a little too you know modern, but this was a, something that I could read uh, plainly. Mm -hmm. Like you said, plain and simple. Yes. And it had a name of God that I knew to be the name of God at that point, which yeah. was Yahweh. And then later on, there was something I discovered uh, about the Exodus mm -hmm. and the story of the Exodus. And just the way this Bible laid it out, I knew that God had led me to this one. Um, because all of a sudden I realized something that correlated with Michael's chronological gospels and Yeshua's miracles, but we can get into that another time. So basically time, so. it's become near and dear to you. Would, would that be fair to say? I, well, yeah, I, right on, like Michael does, he has one Bible that he, I said, you know, it was stolen, but, it, but it, he, yeah. he wrote all his notes in it. And there's, I mean, yeah. look at this. I got, yeah. I got notes you all got, over this thing, right? <laughs> and 
I got to tell you what's funny. upside down. So, so what's like, funny about this is, as I'm, I'm in prayer, I'm thinking when I had the opportunity, you guys called, hey, so listen, listen, do you have anything that you'd like to bring on the Shabbat Night Live? The first thing I thought about was Michael, because I had gotten a chance to see him, spend some time with him. Uh, the second thing I thought about was who he has been in significance to one of the things that I've committed my life to. Three things, God's time, God's Torah, God's tetragrammaton, his name, and Michael has been the ambassador. Mm. So, so as I was thinking about that, I thought, man, what do I? What is it that I would love to do? I'd love to bring people on the journey where you use uh, the, a Bible like that, and we don't get stuck on pronunciation. Now, I'm a, I believe that his name is Yehovah, according to the oldest, most complete Hebrew manuscripts. I've seen it in terms of language, history, and contest. I believe he was, he is, he shall be. No question. Part of the reason I'm so excited right now is spending 20 years in that place of getting questions and answers, down in the tomb of studying, mm. dealing with that sort of thing, coming back up, it's like literally coming back up now, I just want people to have an opportunity to understand it for themselves. Mm. I wanna tell you something, um, I did something, and this is also related to Michael, he was actually the person that helped me promote this. Uh, in 2010 or so, um, I wrote a book called His Hollywood Name Revealed Again, I actually made it available here um, to Michael during Shavuot, but this, this book that I wrote um, is not about pronunciation. In fact, there are, I think, last count, 472 Bible references, 220 footnotes. And the idea is for people to have the experience, back to my friend Michael, the Bible thumper. What does your Bible say about this? How can you get, and so what we're gonna do is you brought your Bible, your favorite translation. I'm gonna bring my favorite translation now, this is not my translation here. This is the Hebrew Bible, folks. This is the Bible that Yeshua would have read, not in this form. He would have read the Hebrew. So I'm using Hebrew just in case you leave the farm with the Jerusalem Bible, mm -hmm. or just in case I leave the farm with my favorite Bible I'm gonna introduce in just a second. Then we can open this up and see, okay, where is there questions? Now, what I'm hoping people will do, the serious Shabbat night livers, what I'm hoping they'll do is they'll get two versions. For example, I love using the NIV, the New International Version, and the JPS, the Jewish Publication Society. Why do I like those two? Hmm. What's your thought? No idea, because I thought the NIV was oversimplified. <laughs> I, I call the NIV the nearly inspired version. <laughs> <laughs> so the NIV, Perfect. because the NIV openly says they use Christian translators. Okay. The Jewish Publication Society, because they openly say they use Jewish Translators. Ah, okay. So why okay. do I love to use the JPS and the NIV? Though I have to say, and I, I probably get in a little trouble for this, uh, neither of them are um, uh, give honor uh, to the name of God. Neither of them give honor to the name of God in terms of what they do in terms of translation. What I am able to find when I look into the NIV and the JPS, what the issues are. If you take an English translation, like what we're going to do here in a few minutes, and you check yours and I check mine, we can somehow, sometimes, say sometimes, mm -hmm. it pops off the page. And, 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 I, and I think this is going to happen. So this was kind of a by-faith thing. Scott, uh, listen, I'm going to be coming in. Would you bring your favorite translation? And you said, absolutely. And you kind of got excited about it. Like, <laughs> look at the size of this book. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So here's what we're going to do. I want to tell you about my translation. Okay. This one is... A King James Version uh, from 1901. This Whoa. is my grandma's Bible. Really? My grandma, who, I, she never told me about her Bible. When I was a kid, she never sat me on the knee and opened up the book. She never told me that she had this Bible. Hmm. Till after she died, my sister said, uh, Keith, you're obviously the, uh, <laughs> the preacher. We should give you grandma's Bible. And say, wait, this is grandma's Bible? 
So when I was preparing for this, I thought, you know what? I'm going to grab my favorite translation, which, and I have to be honest with you, I spend more, you can see it's kind of beat up. Mm -hmm. I spend more time reading uh, in in my Hebrew Bible, especially even when I'm in the New Testament, I'm always asking myself the question, you know, where did they get that from? And so I'm Mm -hmm. always going back to what I call the big book and opening it up and seeing language, history, and context. But for our time during this series, I'm going to use my grandma's Bible, which is the King James Version. So here's what I'd like to do, Scott. I want to start right away. And I want to see if we can open up to Exodus chapter six. Okay. Now I'm going to need some glasses here. I've got I've got my glasses. Okay. You've got your glasses automatically there. Yes. And we're going to open up to Exodus chapter six, and we're going to get started on the name of God, pure and simple journey. Now let me say something. I want to be really clear about this. Really clear. This is not about pushing books. This is not about selling books. In fact, at Shavuot of last year, I gave Michael 50 of these at any time he wants to use them as a way to support ministry. We're in our fourth printing. All that selling books thing is, is, is over. Where I'm at now is if people need tools to be able to be on the pure and simple, like, you know, it's, it's, it's called the pure and simple journey. And if they need tools, one of those tools, I believe, is the name of God is his hallowed name revealed again because I don't get into the controversy about pronunciation, though in the end you learn it. Mm-hmm. Really, it's all that time Bible thumping, Bible thumping, Bible thumping, Bible thumping. So that is going to be made available. Uh, what I want us to do now is to go to uh, Exodus chapter 6, mm-hmm. and I want you to read nice and loud for the people. And folks, if you got your NIV, NISB, the scriptures, any number of the Bibles, make sure you have that. And if you have two, even better. I would like you to read Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. One through three, just the way it's written here. Just the way it's written, okay. no other way. Oh, I didn't give you the rule. Oh, we can't do our own translations. Okay. It's got to be the Bible that you brought. I asked okay. you, what's your favorite translation? That's the one, right? So if it says Yahweh, I it, say well, Yahweh. You say it, and folks, okay. listen. Hey, 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 like Michael would say, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is a teaching opportunity for us. We're looking at translations for what they say. Perfect. Okay, excellent. All right, it's so one to three. All right. Then Yahweh said to Moses, you will see now how I shall punish Pharaoh. He will be forced to let them go. Yes, he will be forced to send them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I appeared as El Shaddai. I did not make myself known to them by my name, Yahweh. Stop. Are there any notes in that? Do you have any any, any notes in one through Anything at all? No footnotes in this Bible, no. No footnotes? Mm -mm. Okay, now can I read from my grandma Bible? You guys, this is my grandma Bible, uh, Fannie Mae Hayes. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said unto him, I am italicized, and there's a little note that says four. Hmm. And then it says the Lord. So, Excuse me, I'm, I'm getting old. I had to get out my, my deal. I want to look mm-hmm. at this little note. And I'm going to, hopefully, can you folks do this? Maybe we can pull this out and put it up on the screen sure, so they can it. see it. Yep. Excellent. So I go to number four. And when I go to number four, it says Jehovah hmm. with a J. I'm like, this is my grandma's Bible it says Jehovah. Those who know, Michael's done a great teaching on this. The J is something that's added much later. If you go to the 1611 version of this Bible, you find Yehovah several times in the Bible. In my grandma's Bible, it says there's a note. Then it says this, 
And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, but by my name, and then in all capitals, with a little note, it says, Jehovah, was I not known to them? Hmm. My grandma's Bible, no Hebrew. I'm not even looking at my Hebrew Bible. It's saying in Exodus chapter 6 that his name is Yud, Hey. Vav, hey, your Bible would say it's Yahweh. I understand it to be Yehovah. The, it, the English anglicized version would be Jehovah. But in this situation, my Bible, I'm preparing for this. And I'm like, my grandma's Bible is telling me that that's his name. I mean, and of course, we already know. Folks know the Lord is not his name. It's a title. But when we get to the Bibles and the Bible starts speaking, there's something else that happens. Now, I want to go to the note, if I can. The note... Uh, for this, and I got to actually go like this, to be honest with you. I have to go like this and say, so what's the note? It says, would you go to Psalm 68.4 in your Bible? Okay. <laughs> Psalm 68, verse 4. Psalm 68.4. It says, sing to Yahweh. Play music to his name. Build a road for the rider of the clouds. Okay. So Rejoice say, in Yahweh, exult at his coming. All right, now go to Psalms 83, 18. Okay. Psalm 83, 18, which says, and let them know this, you alone bear the name Yahweh, most high over the world. So here's the thing. What that Bible's doing, clearly, they've determined that the pronunciation is Yahweh, but they're actually putting the name there. And one of the things that they do in this old Bible here of my grandmother is that here's what it says in Psalms 83, 18. It says, that men may know that thou whose name alone is in this time, and we got to put this up on the screen. It says, Jehovah, and I mean, it separates the actual syllables in all caps. And it says, and he is the one that is the most high over all of the earth. Now, I'll tell you, when I said, <laughs> for me, I'm thinking, so my grandmother, you know, she's got this 1901 version. Now, the version after this doesn't do this. Mm. The further we go, they start removing the name and remove it. So 1611, uh. Yehovah. 1901, Jehovah. And later after that, the Lord. Hmm. Why do they do that? Scott, what's your thought? Why do they do that? Oversimplification is what it sounds like. They do that because when you ask the question, what is the name of God? The rabbi will tell you his name is too holy to pronounce, mm -hmm. too powerful to handle, too profound to understand, but therefore you're prohibited. And so what the English translations are doing is they're playing by tradition to hide over the name. Now, what we're gonna do, if it's okay, is we're gonna take three aspects of the name of God and do a Bible study and just let our English Bibles proclaim for us in three clear ways who he is through his creation, through invitation, and through proclamation. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm excited. Is that all right? That, Can we do that is awesome. Yeah, so this sounds like this is gonna take us a few weeks. 
So oh, can what do you we mean? do that? Can well, we I'm not you? going anywhere. I brought my sleeping bag. <laughs> Are you kidding Perfect. me? Are you, no, I get it. If I get here, Scott, I'm not leaving anywhere. I want people to get a chance to interact with their Bibles, and they're going to be blessed beyond measure. All right, well, there you go. You need to bring your Bible to the next episode of Shabbat Night Live because you're going to be lost without it. If Keith and I are going to be up here with our favorites, you bring your favorite, and we'll see you next week here on Shabbat Night Live. Until then, Shavua Tov. Have a great week. 